Good morning, Joy Church. How are you doing today? Woo! Wasn't that an amazing time of worship this morning? Let's just give the band another hand. My name is Judah Benke, and you might recognize me as a guy who a couple weeks ago resembled Shaggy from Scooby-Doo, maybe just a little bit. Like Scoob, what are we going to do? Zoinks! And I'm just so blessed this morning with the opportunity to, to share with you. Thanks, Jake, for asking me. That's, that was really nice of you, you know, put, really putting everything on the line here. Let's have Judah speak. Um, what an amazing, uh, last, anybody, anybody get woken up last night by some of the thunder and lightning? I think I told somebody this morning that I saw thunder. So I think I have like sonic vision, like, or I, I heard lightning in the eve. Actually, I was driving pretty, pretty late down to my house in Cresswell, and I saw some of the lightning flashes in the distance, and it was amazing and beautiful. I know for some of you with pets, that's not such a fun experience. Um, but what a beautiful, uh, what a beautiful day it is. Waking up and the air is all like static and like crisp and fresh, you know. That's just how I like it. Mm, air. Lightning air. It's good. Good to breathe that. Hey, you know, this last couple of weeks, we've had some amazing weather in Eugene. It was crazy. I came back from California. I think I brought it with me, actually, uh, because everything I got back, everything was like blooming and beautiful. And there's just something about the springtime uh, that I don't know if, if I'm the only man that this happens to, but you, your manly like urges kind of kick in. You're like, I want to barbecue something. Or, or you're like, oh, I just feel like painting something. And uh, actually, absolutely don't. I've never barbecued anything. And uh, I have zero property. So I have like nothing to work on. Not that I want to work on stuff, anybody. I'm not like for hire or anything. Uh, but my manly urges are kicking in. And I just want to like, I just want to. I just want to do something manly, you know? I think also another manly uh, uh, characteristic, and I don't think that I'm the only one, is that I believe that I, um, I possess very strong confidence in several areas where I have no expertise. Any men like me in the house kind of like that? Like, oh, I've worked on a car kind of like this before. Like, I know exactly what I'm doing here. Or like, this town, yeah, I know I've been to it. Like, this is my first time, but it's just like my hometown. I know my way around this place, like the back of my hand. I'll get us around. Um, and uh, there was a situation. Uh, actually, that area for me, of, of it's not like mechanics or cars or anything or painting or woodwork or anything practical. It's um, dexterity. I grew up playing an immense amount of video games, and that just blessed me with the hand-eye coordination of a like a ninja cat like I don't know um but but because of my history and hand-eye coordination I just kind of believe that like any task that re remotely requires dexterity I, I believe that I'm uh, automatically overqualified and a master of and I want to tell you a story about one of those tasks um this year I've had Two, uh, two haircuts, and, and if you know me, you're like, Judah, like, you would talk about your hair in your sermon. Actually, my family's probably laughing. My family's actually here waving me, you guys. I love you guys so much. Uh, thank you for making the trek down here, and if, if I say anything good, you can, you can blame it on them, especially my mom. If I say anything you don't like, just blame it on all those video games. I've had two haircuts this year, um, and they were both self-inflicted, um, as they say. One uh, uh, kind of 
my, okay, my sister Erica, who's, all, who's here also, I love you, Erica, is an amazing, amazing hairdresser. And basically, when I turned nine, I said, Mom, no longer. I can't take this anymore. I'm sorry, I love you, Mom, but you, give not, you gave me not good haircuts. So I, I was like, Erica, I need to like, help me out here. And she's cut my hair for like this last several, however many years it's been between now and then. And, um, and I've been blessed with wonderful haircuts. Now I live a couple hours away, and it's just that, that time in life. And I'm like, well, I should... I should just learn how to do this myself because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm artistic. I'm dexterous. Like, I got hand-eye coordination like a ninja. I could definitely cut my own hair. So, so the, uh, uh, the first haircut of the year, actually, I did both of them. Like I said, the first one, um, I didn't tell you you were going to be in the story, Erica, but you're in the story. So the, so the first one, uh, she, she's showing me how to, like, cut my own hair, demonstrating on a pumpkin. And I'm like, that pumpkin is how my head is going to look when, by the time this is all done. Uh, but, like, this is, how to, this is how to use some clippers, which in my hands is pretty much the equivalent of a machete or, like, a lawnmower or something like that. That's kind of how I feel with clippers. They're like, uh, this, do clippers scare anybody? Maybe any kids in here that are like, these things are terrifying. It's pretty much like dental equipment for your hair, you know? <laughs> Like, it's pretty much like putting something down the garbage disposal, like just taking a garbage disposal to your head. That's how I feel about clippers. But anyways, so the first time I cut my hair, I had, I had the presence of the master hairstylist, Erica, to guide my way. You know, Judah, don't, don't do that. Do this. You know, use, use a couple different lengths and get that, that like, nice fade, you know, uh, that all the cool kids are doing these days. I'm like, yeah, I want to be cool. And, um, and so it actually turned out great. Turned out a pretty good haircut. And I was happy with myself. Now, several uh, months later, I, I, it's, it's, um, it's haircut time again. And um, there's no sister around. So I'm just like, you know, I got this. Like, I'm I'm really good at this now. I've like done it one time <laughs> and, uh, and I've played a lot of video games. So I'm definitely going to do a really good job. And, um, you know, I actually was doing really amazing. And about halfway through, I was just like, I forgot, like, I'm actually pretty good looking. I just kind of forgot. And, and, uh, and so uh, I was, um, you know, I was doing pretty good. And then this, uh, then this happened here. <laughs> and... Uh, <clears throat> This is basically like my worst nightmare come true, okay? My worst nightmare growing up, like as a little kid, like I cared so much about my hair. I'm like, oh, my hair, I just want it to be cool like all those animes. You know, got to make it cool like the, like the, all the, I don't even know. Um, and and uh, it, it was a big deal to me. And as I got older, you know, as like maybe some of you guys know this, but like you get older and you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm excited because I'm growing tall. Like, oh yeah, I'm growing facial hair. Like, oh, I'm going to college. I'm becoming a responsible adult. I'm doing great things. Yeah, my forehead is getting bigger. Yeah, my, wait, <laughs> like it's not, it's not supposed to do that. And so over the years, I, real, I've, I realized like, man, I, I actually need to have short hair because that's all I can't have anymore. Anybody hear me? John White, where are you? Where are you at? Wave me down. Any, any men in this place cut their own hair? Awesome, you guys. Huh. Um, but this was, this was absolutely terrifying. Like my, like my worst, uh, my, my worst nightmare come true. So I was like cold sweat. And then I decided, you know, there's two things we could do. We could, go, we could make it all go the length of that, which which is a lot deeper than it looks, okay? It's like, yeah, that's like several inches into my head, I, I feel like. Um, or we could do what all the 
all the other cool kids are doing these days and get some hair art and make it look like it was on purpose. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Like kids, they got these like lightning bolts on the side of their head or they got like their, the first letter of their name like buzzed into their head. And, and so um, I don't have a picture of this, but I, I decided, you know, using my dexterous hand-eye coordination master skills, I would... I would give myself some hair art and I don't have a picture, but just picture like three more of those kind of just like in random spots around there. And after I performed that, I just said, it's uh, no, there's no way I'm going to do it. So basically all my hair went the length of that and, and, and that's okay. That's okay. That's not what I wanted to happen, but it's okay. I mean, I'm, I'm doing all right here. Uh, when it was all short, I was like, man, I, I didn't realize like um, my head is, is mostly ears. Like I didn't, I didn't realize that. <laughs> And um, it actually worked out w- pretty well because of the next day I went to Disneyland and I just looked, <laughs> looked like Mickey Mouse. Um, and actually things started turning up a little bit because that, that same next day I asked my best friend to be my girlfriend and she said yes. So I, I was really happy, really stoked about that. Um, but what a difference it made in my life, in my hair, that is. Uh, I, those, two, those two haircuts, one was in the presence of the master, one was by myself, and one haircut was a success, and the other haircut is a failure. I'm not here this morning to, to just talk about haircuts. I really believe each person here, each one of you, is loaded with tons and tons and tons of potential. God made you on purpose for a purpose. You know, you aren't, just, you aren't, just, you aren't an accident. You're here on planet Earth on purpose. He's made you. He's put destiny in your heart. He's given you specific gifts. He's given you to relate, the ability to relate to people in a way that nobody else can. He's crafted each, every single one of you as a unique individual loaded with incredible purpose, and potential. And I want to see every person here succeed in the purpose that God has called you to. And I believe that the, the answer and the difference in, in success in becoming the person that God has made you to be is the presence of God. And this, this last month, uh, we've been in a series called Rocket Fuel, which is like a sweet name for a series and with some sweet graphics. It's like rocket fuel. But basically, like rockets are these incredible. Uh, these incredible like technological laws of gravity defying machines like they're built so intricately and like millions and millions of dollars go into these rockets um, and they're designed for a purpose. They're designed to reach a destination. But just like a rocket, even with all its amazing potential, will not go anywhere unless loaded with the proper fuel. So our lives destined for greatness, destined to go incredible places, destined to do incredible things, aren't going to go anywhere unless we put the right feel in it. So we've been talking about that last week. Mike, Pastor Mike Batchelder did such an amazing job. Are you here, Mike? Mike's not here. Mike, you're supposed to be here. <laughs> I'll, I'll give the le- message to you later, Mike. Mike. How many love Mike Batchelder? That guy's awesome. I love Mike so much. Um, he was talking last week about abiding in uh, in him, abiding in Christ, what it looks like to, to create some space and to have some quiet space with God and what it looks like to move your, your life around and reprioritize and, and, and be in the, pres- uh, in the presence of God, which is also what we're talking about this week. So this week I'm talking about the presence of God and the difference that it makes to live inside of it versus living outside of it. And I want to talk about a Bible character today named Moses. And Moses was this guy 
Just like you and me, loaded with incredible purpose and potential. His story is kind of absolutely crazy. Him and his people were in captivity, and he was born, and he was supposed to be killed. But he was, he was miraculously delivered and grew up in the king's house in, in, uh, in Egypt. And God called him. I know I'm like going through this like super fast, but God called him out of Egypt. And, and he, he delivered, God delivered Using Moses' leadership, God delivered like this entire people group from, from, the, from slavery in Egypt. And God's sending them to a, to a destination of the promised land. He's sending them to the place of their potential. He's sending them to the place of their calling. And this is where we pick up kind of in the middle here. So Moses, is, uh, is, he just came down from the mountain with God. And he's just like talking to God, which is really cool. Uh, I picture Moses, anybody else picture Moses kind of like Gandalf? You know, I don't know. He's got like a huge, huge beard and, and uh, he definitely has a staff and you know he definitely does things with it like Gandalf you know you shall pass the great sea on dry ground um so we pick up in Exodus 33 12 is Moses talking to God you know just casual style you know hey God it's me Moses you're man Moses said to the Lord you've been telling me lead these people but you have not let me know whom you'll send with me you have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. Do you know this morning that God knows you by name? And he doesn't, it's not just by name. He knows your story. He knows your life. He knows what you've been through. He knows what you're currently going through. And he doesn't just know you and see you, but you're favorable in his sight. His heart towards you is so large, we can't even comprehend it. We sung about it today, oh, the overwhelming, absolutely overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. And, and as much as, as many different ways as we could say it, we can never comprehend the love of, that God has for each one of us. He knows your name. So picking up in, thir- in verse 13, this is Moses to God. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. And the Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Verse 15, then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else would distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth. And Moses recognized something that, that we need to recognize this morning is that he needed the presence of God wherever he went. It's not like he needed like direction for the next step immediately. He actually, the Israelites had this crazy like cloud uh, of the, a cloud that, that was God sent to show them where to go. And at nighttime, it was like a, this like flaming pillar thingy and they just followed around so they they had a destination they had they were on a track but even though they had a place to go Moses recognized that he didn't want to go without the presence of God and I just asked I just look at the story and go man Moses what do you know that I don't know like what do you see that I don't see what is it about Moses that made him say God I won't go unless you go and I just want to tell you this morning that God wants to go on the journey with you. God never separates presence from purpose. God does not separate presence from purpose. When he calls you, when he, when he put those amazing things in your life, when he gave you the, the specific gifts that you have, when he put you in the family 
that you're in. When he set you on a course and, and, and when, he, when he speaks future and hope into your life, he doesn't just want to send you out into the, that unknown by yourself. He wants to go with you. And I've heard this a lot growing up. If, if you're like me and you grew up in church, you hear God has a plan for you. And a lot of times I hear that and, and my, my mind separates it from the presence of God. But God's plan is never without his presence. The call of God is never without the promise that he'll go there with you. And I just want to tell you this morning that you can live every day in God's presence. Moses is asking God, God, go with me. And God's like, yeah, I'm going to go with you. And how many are like me? I don't want to do another day by myself. I want to live in God's presence wherever I go, whether it's work, whether it's at home. Wherever I go, I know that God's loaded me with potential, but I know that I can't accomplish it unless he goes with me. I don't want to live another day without God's presence. So God's presence is kind of this this mysterious thing. And I have two big questions about God's presence. I'm going to ask them and then answer them. And then we'll go get some good food like we always talk about at Joy Church. Get some good food. Come on. We end early. We end at 1130 so we can get some beat, you know. You know, I'm not going to say it. Two big questions about God's presence. What does it look like? And where do I find it? You know, it's not like you can get it in a measuring cup. Like, oh, this recipe calls for one-fourth cup of chopped God's presence. You know, three tablespoons of repentance and one bag of mixed fruit of the Spirit. And you just blend it all in and you get one shaking of the heavenlies. And if you like this recipe, try our pre-devotions workout. It will give you all the energy you need to get through your daily portion of Leviticus. (laughs) For those of you who haven't read Leviticus, it's really boring. But you should do it anyways. Be a good Christian and read Leviticus. But what does it look like? What does God's presence look like? Can you... And we talk about it a lot here. And and God is here in this place as we gather together. As the word says, as we gather together, he's here in our midst. We talk about it. But what does it look like? It looks like a black hole. What? Judah, you're crazy. You can't actually see black holes. Oh, yeah. Whoops. Um, Black holes. And this is where I wish that I had my glasses so I could just look really smart talking about the science, science stuff. I have a friend who does science, and that's the only way that he can explain to me what he does during the day. I'm like, hey, Ian, how's it, how's it going? He's like, yeah, I'm just doing science. Because if he went any further, my mind could not track with him. God's presence is like a black hole. Albert Einstein's theory of general relativity predicts the existence of something called a black hole. This is like an actual thing in our universe, which is absolutely crazy. Although they cannot be seen, Scientists know that they exist. So black holes are like these incredibly huge and incredibly dense objects in space that that have such a ridiculous mass that their gravitational pull doesn't even let light escape, which means you can't see them. So how do you measure something that you can't see? Well, scientists know that black holes exist by studying the effects, the gravitational effects that they have on their surroundings. And just like you can locate a black hole by noticing its surroundings and the effect that it has on them, so you can begin to recognize the presence of God 
by observing the way that it changes the atmosphere. So how does God's presence change the atmosphere? Well, let's talk about that. I have some rapid fire points here. uh, These aren't in any particular order, but the presence of God brings clarity. Do you know, like, the the work of the enemy in in our lives is is usually not to get us to buy into a blatant lie. It's usually to to have us be confused about a simple truth. For instance, God loves you. God loves you so much. But when I hear that, I can begin to, my mind can begin to distort that. God loves me if I do this. Or God loves me when I do this, but he doesn't love me when I do that. And in the presence of God, all those little bits of confusion begin to fall off and and everything becomes more clear. I'm not saying that that when you get into God's presence, you always know that the next step to to do in your life, but the clarity begins to to happen. As God begins to to wash some of the things uh, out of our eyes and, and begins to remove all the dirt, we begin to see clearly, one, who he is, and how much he loves us. God's presence, the presence of God brings clarity. Number two, the presence of God brings refreshing. Acts 3.19 says, Repent, therefore, and turn again, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Am I the only one who's, who'd be down for some times of refreshing? You know, sometimes it's like, it's like, you know, that, that day or that week or that month or that year or that like lifetime. You're like, oh, like I've just gone too far. Like it just, it's just too much. Like I need some, I could really go for some times of refreshing. God wants to, to refresh you. He wants to renew you. And that happens in his presence. And you can recognize the presence of God when you see this, uh, this happen. Number three, the presence of God brings joy. I love this one. Psalm 1611 says, You make me known, you make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. And I can't even count all the times in my own life where I've been, I, I, I've, I've just going through stuff, but I get in God's presence. You know, I might take, take, five or 10 minutes and just stop and just talk to God or stop and listen to some worship music or, or maybe I go to church and maybe this has happened on Sunday where you, where you come to church and in the presence of God, God begins to just replace your sorrow with joy. And there's, there's no other way to explain it other than the, the, the presence of God where, where God begins to take your worry and fear and doubt and they all just kind of melt away and the, and, and joy comes and peace comes. Number four, the presence of God brings the miraculous. Jesus, when he walked the face of earth, miracles followed him everywhere he went. Some guys, and everyone recognizes this. Some of these guys, there's a story where these guys have a paralyzed friend and they just want to get him to Jesus. But this room is so crowded that there's no way to get to Jesus. So they bust a hole in the roof and lower him down just to get in God's presence because they know that God's presence bring, brings the miraculous. And that didn't, that didn't stop when Jesus ascended back into heaven. He sent the Holy Spirit who is moving and living and active today. He's, he's a miracle working God today. 
And those could be miracles of healing or finances, but I also believe there's incredible miracles uh, of God breaking depression and incredible miracles of God breaking anxiety. And come on, who, who's down for a miracle? I'm always down to see another miracle. I love it when, when I hear a testimony and, and, or, I, or I see somebody who I know, who I know have, has been through some really rough stuff and just walking in such freedom. That's a miracle. And the presence of God brings miracles. Number five, the presence of God reveals sin. Yeah, yeah, Judy, you were going to throw a not fun one in here. All this all sounded good until the presence of God reveals sin. Luke 5, it's, a, it's actually a good thing though. Luke 5, 8, and this, this is right after a miracle happens. So Jesus shows up, bam, tons of fish get caught, and, and this fisher dude, Peter, is, is like freaking out here. So Luke 5, 8, but when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me, for I'm a sinful man. Oh Lord, the presence of God brings conviction of sin. It brings sin to light. And when God reveals areas of, of transgression in our lives, areas of wrongdoing, we have, we have two options. We could either say, go, I don't want you to see this, God. I'm going to run away. And we could run away from the presence of God, or we could run to the presence of God. God doesn't reveal the sin in our lives without offering us forgiveness, without offering us the chance to repent, without offering his love. Amen. Don't let your sin be revealed. Like, you don't want your sin to be revealed anywhere else. Like, this is the best spot, guaranteed. <laughs> Number six, the presence, of, the presence of God brings comfort. There's this kind of tea I always get at Starbucks now. Art West got me into it. I don't, I don't, actually, yeah. Uh, it's called comfort tea. And I don't know why, but whenever I order it, like even before it comes out, I just feel good. <laughs> like, I like a comfort tea. I'm like, ooh, just like a blanket. I just feel like I just ordered a blanket. And then, and it tastes so good. Um, but the presence of God brings comfort. Psalm 23, verse 4. This psalm is written by a guy named David, and I'm not going to explain his whole life, but basically David's life is crazy. Everyone's trying to kill him, and he's running for his life for years. That sounds like a far worse life than I have. Anybody? Hopefully you're not hiding in here trying to run away from somebody who's trying to kill you. That would be very bad. But anyways, Psalm 23, 4. This is literally, this, while, while this is happening, David writes, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and he actually meant that in this song, he writes, I will fear no evil for, for why? For you, God, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And God wants to bring you comfort in the midst of tragedy. And if you're like me, you're, you might be looking all the, at all this stuff and say, man, that just sounds like such a better life than not, you know? I, I want to do that. I want to be in God's presence. Ra, let's go. Let's go. Let's, let's do God's presence. I want to be there. Where do you find it? How does it work? Ah. How many of you are grateful for GPS technology? <laughs> so for all like the younger people in this room, there was actually a, a time in, a, uh, in world history to where if you, if you wanted to go somewhere, you would have to know how to get there. <laughs> and thank God it's not that way anymore because I am, I'm actually like pretty terrible at directions. Like I just moved to Crestwell recently. You're like, Crest what? It's like a few houses, like 10 or 15 minutes down south. No, it's a beautiful, beautiful place. And I, I love it. And, and literally my place is like two turns off of I-5. It's like, boom, boom. 
And I think I had, I don't, I, maybe I won't tell you how many times I had to use my GPS to get, to get there when I first moved there. But, but without a GPS, if I want to find the destination of something, I need the directions to it. And that's what they were called. Before GPS, they had these things called directions. And you would, you would have to get them, and then you would have to follow them. Really, really crazy stuff. But if God's presence is a destination that I want to be in my life, then what are the directions? In other words, where do I find it? Where do I find the presence of God? How do I get there? Well, actually, it's not a physical location. Thank God, even though it's amazing coming here to, to this building on a Sunday morning and experiencing the presence of God. And he is here today as his people gather together. But God's presence isn't limited to a building like it was in, in Old Testament history. You know, there was like an object uh, called the ark and God's presence would go around in that. And if, if you wanted to like be blessed, you'd like stick around, you'd like stick with it. Or, or you'd go to the tabernacle where the presence of God is. And when Jesus showed up, he showed up and, and you, could, you, could, you could find, you literally find God. Like you, you could touch him. Uh, but and he ascended, but now where is God? Like, where, where is God? Well, he's, he's, he's everywhere. He's with us. After Jesus uh, ascended, or he said he would send the Holy Spirit, and he did. And the Holy Spirit is God, and he's here with us today. How do we find, but how do we find him? How do we tune into him? How do we, how do, where is, where is he at? Let me tell you where the presence of God is at and where it's found. Number one. The presence of God is found in humility. This one kind of, I don't know, it's a little counterintuitive to me. I think a lot of times I would think, man, is, wouldn't God like show up if I'm doing really awesome stuff? If I'm being like super the best Judah ever, like maybe then God would want to be with me. But no, it's actually the, the opposite. The presence of God is found when we realize that, when we recognize our need for his presence. Psalm 34, 18 says, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Another translation of this same verse is, it says, The Lord is near to those whose hearts are humble. And there's a few things that, that need to come out of a heart of humility, and that these aren't things that we can manufacture. You just, we just... In humility, we need to recognize our need for God's presence every single day and every single moment. Moses could have said, God, thanks for calling me. Here I go. But he said, no, God, if you don't go with me, I can't. I know I can't. I know I'm not enough in my own strength. God, I need your presence. In humility, we need to make time for God. We need to clear some space. And this, I'm, I'm like so guilty of this. I'm like, I, I do this thing where I like take an 11 by 8 paper and I draw out all the week and like a, and a block for every single hour. And I don't know, like I do this, I sometimes do this like way too often. Like, oh, I need to reschedule my life again. Crumple, 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 throw it away. New schedule, you know, Judah time, Judah time, Judah time. Work Judah time. <laughs> Judah time, friend time, like a little small chunk. <laughs> Judah time. Where's the God time in my life? Come on, we need to make some space. We need to clear out our, our calendar maybe just a little bit or clear out some time in the morning when you wake up or maybe, maybe sacrifice some of your precious sleep and to, to, to set some time to make some space to, 
to just ask God to show up because when you make space for God, he shows up. You know, set aside some, some time maybe to listen to some worship music or, or to read the Bible or to pray or all the things that we've been talking about in this Rocket Fuel series. We need to, in humility, make time for God. And in humility, we need to, we need to invite God into our, norm, our regular lives. Did you know that God wants to be part of your regular life? You know, we have an amazing worship team that I get the honor and privilege to lead. And I, I honestly am so proud of every single person on my team. And we get together on Thursday nights and we practice. It's like an hour and a half-ish. And we have a certain amount of stuff that we need to go through. And a couple of weeks ago, I just, I just felt like, man, we need to just clear some space at the beginning of this practice to make room for God. Because even in, even in doing things for church, it's so easy uh, for me to, to have my focus uh, on the wrong thing or to, or to be walking in my own strength. And so we cleared some space, just five or 10 minutes. You know, we could have been practicing a song. We could have, you know, maybe we were uh, making it so that we'd have to stay a little bit later by cutting some time at the beginning. But we did it anyways. We cut some time at the beginning of practice and, and started uh, started our worship practice just by praying and asking for God to come and move in that practice, for God to come on, on Sunday morning and, and, and do, the, do the things that God does. And you know what's crazy is it felt like we had, that was like one of the best practice, practices we ever had. It felt like we accomplished two hours of, of musical practice work and we ended like a half an hour early than normal. Like it's something I can't explain. There's something... There's something that happens when we invite God and we make space, but, and we invite God into what we're doing. What would happen if you invited God every time you went to work, you know, on the way there? God, I know I'm just going to my, like, regular job that I have. I need your presence, God. I need you to go with me. God, I'm going to school. I need you to go with me. God, I'm going home, you know. I'm going to be with my family. I need you to go with me. The presence of God is found in humility. Number two, the presence of God is found in unity. Matthew 18, verse 20 says, For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. And there's some amazing opportunities on, on a Sunday morning, yes, to come and gather, but during the week, actually, I said this in first service and I meant it, my, my favorite time of the week is not Sunday morning. It's actually Wednesday night in my joy group. And did you know that we have amazing joy groups almost every night of the week? And, uh, and they are absolutely a blast where we get together and just do life together. We just eat food and talk about the Bible and hang out. But there's something amazing that happens as the presence of God comes in our place of unity. And tonight we have another amazing opportunity. Uh, we have something called First Sunday, and we just get together for an hour of prayer and worship at 6 p.m. At, at Gerlinger Hall. But the presence of God is found in unity. God shows up when we come together. And finally, the presence of God is found in righteousness. Psalm 15, 1 through 2 says, Who may worship in your sanctuary, Lord? Who may enter your presence on your holy hill? Those who lead blameless lives and do what is right, speaking the truth from sincere hearts. And reading a song like this, without the hope of Jesus in my life, my heart would break because I know that I don't need a blameless life. I know that my 
heart's not perfect. If righteousness brings the presence of God, I know that I can't live with the presence of God. And let me just tell you that Jesus, God sent his son Jesus to die for you, to be your righteousness, so that you could be in the presence of God. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And maybe this morning you haven't experienced the presence of God, or maybe you have, or maybe you're kicking the tires on this, this Christianity thing, or maybe you just walked in because you thought it was a movie and you're just too embarrassed to leave. <laughs> but this morning, God wants to invite you into his family. And, and we don't come on any merit of our own. We come to the presence of God only by the blood of Jesus Christ, which was given to make you clean, to give you a clean slate, a fresh start, to make you pure, to make you whole, to make you righteousness so that you can live in the presence of God this morning. So if that's you this morning and you're wanting to make that decision for the first time, would you just pray with me as well, just bow our heads and close our eyes. It's not, the, it's not like the words are magic, but when we put our faith in, in Christ, he purifies us. His blood makes us clean. So let's pray if that's you this morning. And you can repeat after me. God, I thank you for your presence. I know that I have lived unrightly. I recognize my need for you. God, I'm sorry for every wrong thing I've done. And I believe that you made it right by the blood of Jesus. And I accept your sacrifice on the cross. I love you. And I thank you for your presence. In Jesus' name, amen.